Good morning. Happy New Year. Okay, I've got to ask, how many of you were happy Ohio State lost? <laughs> how many of you were sad? How many of you didn't care? Okay. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, I've got some great news. Some really, really good news this morning. The truth that is at the core of this message uh, is something that can change your life. It, it, literally, it can make 2020 be different than every year you've ever had before. It's a critical truth that's kind of hidden away in Scripture. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to find it in a little bit, but uh, you can see it not just in Scripture, you can see it in the world around us. But it's a secret, and it's something that you have to try and really wrestle with to internalize and to have it be a part of your life. Uh, the the, the uh, name of our new series is called Making Change. We're, uh, making Change is, is what it's all about. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about this concept, this truth that, that I think is so revolutionary. It's, it really is counterculture to the world that we live in, particularly to American culture. Um, if ever you're going to pursue change, you, uh, you have to recognize that when transformation is going to take place, you have to trade and something old for something new, right? You have to make an exchange. So let me, let me just demonstrate that. Who's carrying around $20 bills or $20? $20? Anybody? You got change for $20? Anybody got change for $20? Come on down, Vic. Vic's not shy. Right, you know what? I'll come to you. You got it in quarters. That's great. Change for 20. It's like all I have. Here, hold this 20. Oh. Oh, oh. There. There's, I, I'm there's getting a bonus. Five. You got, there's five. There's a 10. That's, One, yeah. Nine, We're throwing money around. There's, there's a 18. <laughs> Give me a 20. <laughs> Okay. Good. I got 38 for the 20. <laughs> Not really. Here we go, Vic. Uh, right. When, you, when you're going to make change, when, I'll keep your 20. Okay. You have my 20. Um, anybody got change for 100? Uh, when, when we're going to experience transformation, when you want to make change in your life, you always have to trade something for something else, right? Change doesn't just happen naturally, and it doesn't happen without a reorganization of your worldview, of, of what matters to you, of what's going on in, um, inside you. So, so here it is. Here's the secret. Here's the truth that I want you to get today. Are you ready? Less is more. Less is more. That truth, that concept, has the ability to radically transform your life, right? Less is more. What are you going to, if you're going to accept that truth and internalize it in your life, less is more. What are you going to trade it for? What are, you, what are you making change with? More is more, right? We live in a culture, we live in a world that says more is better, right? More house, more money, more car, either more luxury or more consistency, um, 
more uh, better looks, more whatever. Um, we live in a world that says more responsibility is better than less, right? More freedom, more power, more degrees, right? You need to certainly have high school diploma, but then college degree is good, master's is better, a doctorate is better than that, more is better. That's the world that we live in. Um, More exercise, right? If one hour is good, two hours got to be better, right? More, we, we live in this more is more world, more preparation, more order. Any OCD folks out there? More order, more order, give me more order. We think more is better. More relaxation, uh, you know, that that would be better. More hair, right? Um, (laughs) But here's the truth, less is more, not just on hair, right? Less is more. Uh, Turn to somebody beside you and say, less is more. Now turn to somebody else and say, no, really, less is really more. (laughs) If you've got your Bibles, take them out and turn to Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, If you're using a physical Bible, uh, somewhere down towards the middle, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. We're going to look at one verse in, uh, from Ecclesiastes, and then look at some more uh, scripture from the New Testament to help flesh out this concept of less is more. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, uh, who scripture desc- describes as the wisest man who ever lived, next to Jesus. He's the, he's the king of Israel that, that uh, God said, what do you want? And Solomon could have asked for anything. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for um, old age. He could have asked f- for power, for military might. He asked for wisdom. And this is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after wind. Better one handful with peace than two handfuls with labor and chasing after stuff like you don't know where you're going, right? Better is one hand with peace, one handful with peace, then two handfuls with struggle and pursuit and being consumed by getting that second handful. Less is more. Understand that. Um, Which is better? Which is better? A job that you love that maybe the world looks at and says, ah, oh, that's not really that big, a, that, that much of a job. It, it, there's no real significance in that. But it's a job that you love and you do well. Which is better, that or a job that the world looks at and says, oh, man, that's a powerful job. That's such an important thing that has you um, spending all your time, all your energy, everything invested in that job and your family suffers as a result. One handful with peace, two handfuls with toil and chasing after wind. Which is better, a comfortable little house or apartment that meets your needs or a McMansion that you're always worried about somebody breaking into? You're always worried about the way that looks. You're always worried about uh, how you're going to have the money to upkeep, to do the upkeep for it. Which is better, a reliable car that's safe, it maybe has a few dings in it. It doesn't look the best. Or a brand new 
luxury car that you're always worried about being repossessed, that you're always worried about somebody scratching it because it's brand new. One handful with peace, two handfuls with labor and chasing after wind. Which is better, having your kids have fun, learning a sport, or being in a travel team that takes over your kid's life, limits their relationships, maybe their time with, with you as their parents, with other kids. Less is more, better is one handful with peace, tranquility, versus, or two hand, versus two handfuls with labor and chasing after wind. Um, what, what is it that you believe you have to have today for your life to be better? And if you were taking notes right now and you said, oh man, if I just had this, boy, life would be good. Is it more money in your account? You know, is it maybe a new position? Maybe it's a remodeled bathroom. Maybe it's a pickup truck. Maybe it's a snowmobile. Maybe it's a snowblower, right? Uh, Maybe it's a jet ski. Maybe you think, boy, if I just could go on vacation down south where it's warm. Or you think, if I just had a cottage up north, my life would be full. Maybe if I just had that college degree. Man, if I just had that corner office, my life would be complete. Um, you know, there's a danger in this message because I, I really, well, let me just be real clear. Um, I, I think that this is so important for us as followers of Jesus to get this concept of less is more because we live in a culture that doesn't believe that at all. And I think that God calls us to this concept of less is more. Uh, there may be a danger that you're thinking, that you're sitting out there thinking, ah, Rick doesn't want me to go get a snowmobile. Rick doesn't want me to have my cottage. Rick doesn't want me to do whatever. And that's not the case at all. Um, the challenge is, is to find the peace in what we have. Um, I don't want to make you feel guilty this morning because guilt won't change anything. Guilt will not change your heart. It may delay the purchase of the snowmobile. You know, uh, if you're going out today to buy the snowmobile, you may have a conversation, oh, we can't do that. But you know what's going to happen? Next fall, you're going to buy the snowmobile. Guilt may defer, it may push back some of our actions, but it won't change our hearts. And the challenge for us is to internalize what Scripture teaches and to get a hold of this concept that less is more. Paul was one of the leaders in the, of the church in the first century, and he got it. Um, if, again, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, and let me just read uh, a few verses that are there towards the end of his letter, just so you understand. Paul's in prison. He's writing to this church that he helped plant, the, these people that he loved desperately, and, and he's getting down towards the end of the letter. And, and at the end of the letter, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says this, Uh, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, 
whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul said, I've learned to be content. That, that phrase uh, that says, I've learned, is an interesting phrase in, in the language that Paul wrote it in because what it really described was like in a secret society pursuing this truth that no one else knew about. So when Paul said, when the, Greek, when the Greeks were hearing these words and he said, I've learned to be content, it was like, oh, Paul was pursuing this concept of figuring out what it meant to be content, to, to, that less was more. I've learned to be content, Paul says. The, the, in the original language, that word for content is not just a, ha, ah. it, it really is this kind of sense of self-reliance. That, that Paul said, not that he was self-reliant on himself, on his own abilities, but Paul had a clear sense that God was going to take care of him no matter what the circumstances were. Paul had lived as a Pharisee. I think as a Pharisee, he probably would have been one of the upper crust of society. He would have had financial resources. He would have had uh, uh, respectability. He would have had a position in the community that would have been huge. Paul would have had plenty in, when, in that phase of his life. When he went out to plant churches, he, he, uh, he actually lived uh, oftentimes dependent completely on the gifts of others. Paul would go and preach. He'd go plant a church, and people would send money so that Paul could keep living. He didn't have hardly anything at all. There were times when Paul was winning the loss, when he was planting churches, that he figured out a way. He, he made tents. He was a bivocational worker. And so that Paul supported himself in order, to be, in order to be able to do the work of God. Paul said, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or a little. I've learned to be content. Um, in January of 2007, the University of Florida Gators played for the national championship against some team from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and that, the stage that day belonged to Florida's quarterback, Tim Tebow. Got a picture of Mr. Tebow. Remember that? 13 years ago. Can you see the face paint on his cheeks? says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How can you beat a guy that has Philippians 4.13 on his cheeks? Uh, you know, um, that, that's a great verse and a great promise in this passage that we've just looked at. But let me, let, me, let me cause you to take a pause for a second. Because oftentimes, I think we quote Philippians 4.13. Um, and we say, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we're inside an airplane and ready to jump out. And we're scared to death. And we say, oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and we take that step, right? Um, you're, you're working, you're out doing sales calls, and you think, oh, man, I need three more sales to make my quota. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, we, we're going into a difficult situation, and we think, oh, I don't want to do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and we take Philippians 4.13, and we use it as kind of a, a spiritual uh, encouragement, a go-getter, to say, oh, we're not alone in this, and, it, and, and it's kind of this booster for us. Don't miss, in the context of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, that that's not what Philippians 4.13 was all about at all. Paul was saying, look, here's the deal. I've learned to be content when I had a lot. 
I've learned to live with next to nothing. Less is more. I, I've been completely dependent on people. How have I done that? It's because I've relied on Jesus who gives me strength. I, I can live. I can live wealthy because Christ gives me the strength to do that. I can live poor in poverty. I can live without much because Christ gives me strength. That, um, that's the truth of that verse. Um, what Paul was talking about was being completely dependent on Jesus. Having Jesus is all that matters to us. And so the whole less is more concept, it's rooted in um, the, the amount of material stuff that we have, the amount of money that we have. It, it doesn't matter at all in the big scheme of things. What matters is whether or not we have Jesus. Um, l- let me just take pause here for a second, too, and, and say, understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, success is as dangerous for you as failure is. Sometimes when we fail, um, we get angry with God, we turn our back on him, and we walk away from him. But when we succeed, when we experience earthly success, it's very easy for us to say, I did that on my own. I made those sales calls. I, I, I put my nose to the grindstone. I did the right stuff, made the sales, said the right things. It was all me. It's easy for us when we experience success to take credit for that. And the challenge that's there from Paul for us is to recognize that Jesus is at the heart of everything and we're completely dependent upon him for everything. You can't have, you can't have a less is more mindset, a less is more worldview, a contented outlook on life without exchanging the more is more mindset that exists in, in our culture. Paul wrote to, uh, to one of the young preachers that he mentored, a guy named Timothy. Um, in that letter to him, he communicated this same concept. Look, look at what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We can't take anything out of it. If we have food or clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. More is more, right? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Better is one hand with tranquility. Better is one hand with peace than two hands with labor and chasing the wind. How do, you, how do you develop that kind of mindset? How do you live with a less is more mindset? Let me, let me just share some thoughts. Uh, hopefully they'll make some sense to you and give you some things that you can do th- uh, this week. First is this, uh, and this is right from Paul. Contentment and discontentment, uh, if that's a word, are both learned behaviors. Paul said, I've learned to be content. It's not something that just happens. That's something that we're taught, something that we're learned. How do we learn discontent in our current culture? It's with commercials, right? You deserve, you need, you should have, you've earned discontent. Oh, man, your life will be full if you just have fill in the blank. 
Um, we learn from our parents. We learn from our teachers. We learn from our peers. Parents, let me, let me just encourage you. One of the most valuable lessons that you can give to your kids is to teach them that less is more and to live that out. Um, we had, uh, we've had a, a, the same conversation multiple times with my oldest son-in-law, with Charlie, Leah, uh, the mom of, of Sylvie. Charlie, is, uh, Charlie uh, works at a job that many people in the world would say, eh, that's really not much of a job, but it's a job that he loves and he's making a difference in people's lives. Uh, they, they have four kids. They don't have very much money. Um, and Charlie has said to us on more than one occasion, um, Rick and Deb, I am so grateful that you taught Leah to be content with what she has. Because if you don't have it and you're living in a, in a home where there's this, oh, man, if you could just make more money, if we could just have this, if we could, it causes all kind of tension, right? Contentment is learned behavior. Um, so you've got to figure out how to make an exchange. How do you exchange, exchange the more is more for the less is more, right? You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to do that. Second, second thought's this. Don't let your circumstances determine your level of contentment. Paul said, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or a little. We think, oh, you know what? If I had a lot, I'd be content, sure. Um, Rockefeller is famous for saying, when is enough? When, when do you have enough? What, what defines enough? A little bit more, right? Um, if you've got a lot, there's, you always want more. If you look around at people who, uh, who have more than you do, what are they doing? They're pursuing more, right? It's, uh, you've got to learn to be content uh, regardless of your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances determine, determine it. Um, Paul's contentment didn't depend on the level of, or the volume of stuff that he had, the amount of money he had in his account whether he was taking vacations to exotic places or whether he was doing a staycation in Langsburg, right? Um, it didn't depend on his circumstances. If you have a lot, and, and again, that's all of us. We all have a lot. Good for you, man, but don't depend on all that stuff. Don't find your value in that stuff. Don't think that that stuff determines your uh, importance, your, uh, the significance of your life. Um, those things will not give security or peace. Depend on Jesus, not your stuff. If you don't have very much, good for you. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be thinking about selling out your integrity to get more stuff. You just need to depend on Jesus. Um, how, how do you live with that less is more mindset? This is probably the most important thing I can tell you. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. He is all that matters. When, when you're living for Jesus, when you're sold out for Jesus, all the other stuff is just stuff. So how do you do that? How do you fall in love with Jesus? Uh, how do you fall in love with anybody? You spend time with them. You communicate with them. You think about them all the time. Everywhere you go, you're, you're thinking, oh, what would, what would Deb be thinking about this? Man, I wish she were here and I could share. Fall in love with Jesus. What would Jesus be thinking about this? Oh, he would find such joy in that. Oh, man, he would be sickened by that. Fall in love with Jesus. Read scripture. Talk to him. 
recognize his presence all day long. What, what are some practical things that you can do to live out this less is more truth? Um, Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. More is more. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So what do you do? Let me, let me give you three very practical things. The first thing is, is this, cut back. Um, if less is really more, cut back on the amount of stuff in your life. Um, you know, you know, sitting in the pews right now, you know where you're out of whack. Whether you have too much stuff, whether that's in your schedule, whether that's attention to your finances, whether it's too, much, too many material things, you know where you're out of whack. And let me just encourage you, cut back. Cut back on eating out. Cut back on your workaholicism. Workaholism, all right? Cut back on your stuff and focus more on the people that matter to you. Better is one hand with tranquility, one hand with peace, than two hands with labor and striving after wind. Um, practice saying, no, we're not going to do that. Turn to who's ever beside you and say, no, we're not going to do that. Now say it with conviction. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We don't need to. Why is, it, why is it that we feel like we can't say that? Why is it that we feel like we can't say that? Something comes up and we say, oh, yeah, absolutely we want to do that. And we lack the strength to say, nah, we don't need to do that. We don't really need that. Do you understand that if you say yes to less, that oftentimes that less is more mindset, that saying yes to less allows you to have nicer things, to do more significant kinds of things because you've not wasted your time and energy on money on stuff that doesn't matter. Less is more. Cut back. Second thing, clear out. Clear out. Less is more. Get rid of stuff. Get rid of the clutter. Um, now, this is really hard for me to write in my notes because if you were to go to my house, this is a struggle for me because stuff has memories, right? Stuff has ties to my mom and dad and my grandparents. Stuff has ties to my childhood, and I think, oh... If I give that up, I, my matchbox cars, you know. Cut, uh, cut back, clear out, clear out, clear out. Here's my wife's rule that I don't follow very well, but it's good, good rule. If you haven't used it in a year or five years, get rid of it. What, what are you holding it on? What are you holding on to it for? If you haven't worn it in a year, Donate it. Do something with it. If you haven't touched it in a year, what do you need it for? Um, my notes say the stuff in your closet, the stuff in your bathroom, the stuff in your room, in your house, where all of the stuff is that you don't know what to do with. Everybody has a room like that, right? That dresser or drawer that is just full of stuff. Clear out. Whenever something new comes in, send something else out. Um, Christmas present. New, new sweater, new shirt. 
I need to exchange this for some stuff in my closet that I'm not, not wearing, right? Something new comes in, something else goes out. Uh, if you're a hoarder, why do you hoard? Why do you hoard? Because there's comfort in that stuff, right? Here's the biblical teaching that, that I think really challenges that. Do you believe that Jesus really will take care of you? That he can meet every need that you have? If that's true, we don't need to hoard, right? We don't need to hold on to our stuff. Because it doesn't matter. When we die, it's all going to go to our kids or to the dump anyways, right? We don't need it. Um, Paul, I've learned to be content with a lot or a little. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Getting rid of that stuff, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a great application of Philippians 4.13. Don't miss this. This is encouragement for your own stuff. Wives, don't go home and say, Rick said, get rid of all that stuff, husband. Um, (laughs) Husbands, don't get rid of your wife's stuff. Children, don't get rid of your parents' stuff. Uh, Don't start selling it on Craigslist or eBay. Uh, Third thing, cut back, clear out, pay off. Less is more. Less is more. Pay off your debt. Stop buying new stuff until your debt is gone. Financial Peace University is a class that that we've done a number of times here at North Point. It's going to start again at the end of January. Let me just encourage you, if you have trouble handling your money, if you have trouble with this whole less is more thing, Sign up today, right now on the app. You can do it right now on the app. Sign up for for, uh, Financial Peace University. It has the ability to give you tools that can change your life and allow you to implement the less is more uh, truth, the concept. Um, Pay off. More, More is not more. You don't need more stuff. You don't need half of what you have. Take the money that you'd use to buy more and pay off that debt. We're going to talk more about that next week in this Making Change series. You know, last week, I, I, I'm so grateful for Kerry Bayshore preaching. Uh, he did a great job, didn't he? Uh, good, good stuff. Um, because his, his, uh, his talk about transformation was a great foundation for this series called Making Change. Because we've got to experience transformation. We've got to experience change in our lives. Understand that change that, that we implement in our life by sheer will of force, you know, because of our strength of character, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to lose that 10 pounds this year. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to force myself to do that. Those things that we do just simply by an act of will will not last, Right? That's why so many New Year's resolutions have already gone down the tubes, right? For lots of people. Because we're just trying to do it in our own strength. If you want transformation, if you want to make change, if you want to swap out that 20 for a 10 and two fives, if you want to get rid of the worldview and the mindset that you've been living in and exchange it for a new one, You've got to have a heart motivation for that to happen. And that comes by falling in love with Jesus. Jesus can change your heart, change your perspective, change your worldview. And that's what he wants to do. It's a new year. 
If not now, when? Right? If not now, when? Um, Like many of us, our family has enjoyed the Star Wars movies for the last 40 years. And we've been watching the new series on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. Any Mandalorian fans? A few have seen it. There's a character on the Mandalorian series whose actions are critical to the final episode of, of that first season on the show. The character's name is IG-11. IG-11. IG-11 is a droid that's programmed to kill. It's designed to kill for the Bounty Hunters Guild. Ultimately, it's, it, it ends up being destroyed by the, by the Mandalorian. And a vapor farmer comes in and takes the pieces of that destroyed droid and transforms that droid into a different kind of a droid. Takes this droid that was a killer and turns it into a nursemaid droid. Which to me is just such an interesting concept. Takes this killer and turns it into this droid that's going to take care of little baby Yoda, uh, the, the little baby Yoda character. It took death of the old person, of the old droid, to become the nursemaid droid. For us to experience transformation, the change that Jesus wants in us, it takes our old person, our old self dying, and Jesus coming in and breathing new life into us. Man, there is no thing that you can do that's better than to allow Jesus to have complete control of your life to fall in love with him and to allow him to make the change in your life. Less is more. Let's pray. Father God, um, this truth, this concept, it's hard for us because it is so etched into our psyche, into our culture, into our friends, into our family. Help us Lord, to allow your spirit to challenge us to live it out. Not to do it on our own power, but to do it because we love Jesus and we recognize that stuff steals our affection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.